Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, 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 welcome to this episode of I Date Money and Money Talks. I'm your host, Lisa Drennan, and today we have a really awesome guest. Laura Ora is an alignment coach for female entrepreneurs, guiding them to learn how to honor their energy and truly listen to what they want instead of what they've been taught that they should. You know, should have, could have, would have, right? Get those out there. Get Ditch him right out the door. Laura is the CEO of Works and Company, an urban branding studio, the host of a top 100 podcast, the Gutsy Podcast, speaker, author, and all around visionary. Love it. She'll be the first person to push you out of your comfort zone and the last to hug you as you head to the next level of your life. Let's rip off the band aid and welcome Laura. Thank you so much for being in this space and sharing your time and energy with us. Love this. I love the Laura Aura. We talked about it pre-show, but I, I think it's really cool just to share that with the audience. So tell us about this Laura Aura. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me. It's always a great opportunity to to share the space with another female entrepreneur to talk about money, right? This thing that we've been <laughs> taught all kinds of things about, which I'm sure we'll get into, but I appreciate the space to have this conversation. So Laura Aura is the embodiment of all aspects of me. And what I mean by that is it is reinviting my inner child to come out and play. It's allowing my higher self to guide me and then my present day self to embody all of that together to be my most fullest aligned self here on this planet. And so, you know, I just think that it's it's a beautiful mix. We 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 grow up very quickly and we stop playing. And then we also stop listening and we stop connecting. And so we you know, we and un- we unintentionally cut off these very big parts of who we are. But if we if we allow them to be a part of our present day self, then I truly believe that that's where some magic can happen. So that is what Laura Aura is. Oh, I love that, and it's so important when we're working in the three realms: wealth, health, and relationships. And when it comes to wealth, I always like to say, if you if you work on the wealth, everything else falls into place. So I love how you talk about the past, present, and future self. I do with my clients, I introduce aromatherapy to connect with those because so many of us want to live in the past and we get tripped up. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to have money. I want to make millions, but then we don't take the action. We don't do it. And I like how on the application for the show, I asked you, imagine money as a person. What's the one word that describes the relationship? And you said building. That's a very interesting word. Tell me why you chose building. Building, you know, repeat the question to me again. Help me relive that moment. (laughs) So on the application, I asked, I asked you to imagine money was a person. 
And how would you describe your relationship in one word? My relationship, got it, building. You know, because I'm consistently rebuilding, maybe would even be a more clear word, rebuilding my relationship with money. Uh, You know, I've had a very complicated relationship with money in the past. And so building that relationship, we're we're strengthening, you know, we're we're repairing some old, we are, we are co-creating together. We are learning how to communicate together. It's like a relationship, right? Like we, we um, are building the foundations for this next chapter of our life together. And so that's why I chose that word. Oh, I love that. And it is. It's if so many think, oh, I'll just do this one thing and then everything will be fine. As soon as I get this, <laughs> as soon as I land this client, I'll pay off this debt and then we'll be fine. And you know, it's all almost like this love-hate relationship. So when we can realize it and see it from a point of view, like, yes, we're building a relationship. And if you think about your relationship with a partner or, you know, a parent or a sibling or a best friend, that takes work. You know, it's just not, if you ignore the person and, you know, don't return the phone calls, you might get feelings about things. They might say something to you. And next thing you know, you're in a huge argument. Same thing with money. You know, you might get mad that you have this unexpected bill or, you know, you're, you didn't close the month of, you know, June or July or whatever with the numbers that you expected. So as an entrepreneur, as an alignment coach, how do you, or I shouldn't say how, but what do you find to be really easy for you to align with when it comes to your money working in the field that you do with your clients? So, you know, I think it's important to maybe, if I may, look in the past just to honor it for a second, because my money story has been complicated as <laughs> I grew I grew up in a household where money was the root of all evil, money made you a jerk, money came in and left just as fast. Um scarcity any conversations around money were heated or emotional or I grew up believing that money sucked. Mm. And I wholeheartedly embodied that growing up and I wholeheartedly carried that into my business. So I've been in business for 16 years now. And so I've learned a lot of things. And mm-hmm. one thing I can tell you that as a, as a business owner, your human side doesn't go away. In fact, it gets amplified. <laughs> if there are things that need to be focused on, shifted, recognized, healed. It, it's like, if you're starting a business, just know that healing those parts of you is essential. It does mm-hmm. not go away. And so working through my money story and, uh, you know, living out some of the childhood experiences that I had then as an adult, it was easy to put shame on myself and see here it is. And, you know, all this like social proof why, yeah, money does suck and money is hard to make and to, to have it, you have to work really hard. Or one of my personal favorites, money makes you think that you're better than everybody else. Mm. So what did I do? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want people to think that of me. So let me just literally rebound it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's trying to come in. Nope. I don't want to be a jerk to everybody. And so, you know, I, I take us on this little bit of a journey just to, to set the foundation that it's not always easy, mm-hmm. but it is shiftable. Mm-hmm. And that's where it comes into the present day moment. And especially with the work that I get to do with my clients is, is reframing what money means to you what that story has been playing on repeat 
repeat, repeat in our minds. And then also in our bodies, because our bodies feel what our minds think. And so when we can really like get vulnerable, be very honest with ourselves first and foremost, and then start to really listen to like, what do I actually want? Who am I truly? It's okay to want money. Money Mm -hmm. doesn't make me anything than other than who I am. It's an amplifier, right? So it amplifies who I already am as a human. And while I may not be perfect, and I certainly have made my fair share of mistakes, I can go to bed at night knowing that I'm a pretty decent human. Mm-hmm. And so money is only going to amplify that. So it, women, particularly in business, it, it there's a lot of worthiness, mm-hmm. right? And these stories that we've been taught about what he, what money is going to make us, and and how many times have you been sitting around in a in a conversation and somebody starts talking about like, oh, did you see the new car that they got? Oh, look at that bag she has. Oh, who does she think she is? And it's very, very easy to absorb that information as your truth mm-hmm. to start forming beliefs like, oh, if I get ahead or if I pay off something or if, oh, I go on a vacation or, oh, I do want to buy a car that people are going to say things about me. Mm-hmm. Then so we unintentionally start pushing it away. And so it's it's not a straight line by any means. <laughs> In fact, it's uh, it's quite the roller coaster. But uh, you know, here on the other side of this, um, you know, always still in the journey. But on the other side of it, it's like at the end of the day, you have to learn to listen to yourself and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. People are going to say that no matter what you do, mm-hmm. but you might as well do the things that make you happy. Yes, so true. And and it's funny because so many of us look for that external validation. And then we're concerned, like it matters. You know, what, what difference does it make if someone says, oh, well, you know, like you have all the money. I actually have a friend that we've known for several years who always says, well, if I had, my husband's name is Kip. If I have Kip and Lisa's money, I could burn mine. I go, well, that would just be dumb. (laughs) Why would you burn yours when you add, you add mine to yours? So you'd have more, like, let's think about this. Right. And then he'd like, look at me, like, you know, didn't know what to say. And I think about some of the idioms that we grew up with and some of the comments that people make. And one of the big ones that comes to mind is, you know, oh, you can't keep up with the Joneses. It's like, well, why not? And who are the Joneses? And what do I need to keep up with them for? And it wasn't, or, you know, the grass, the grass is greener. You know, you would see like, it's when I grew up, I was, I grew up in a rich family. Both my parents were entrepreneurs and they had multiple income streams coming in, but then they got divorced. And when they got divorced, you know, my mom was single with four kids and had to start all over again. And we, you know, were poor and we, she had to work her way back up. And it was this roller coaster ride, like you had mentioned of this feast or famine. And, you know, that was something else. Another idiom we grew up, it's either a feast or famine. And, you know, yeah. she's a cosmetologist and, you know, during prom and wedding season, it was feast. And then, you know, summer months was famine and then we'd go back into the holiday time. So, you know, her income streams depended on the seasons. And I always just remembered, and it's like, you know, money goes where money is. Well, I want money to come where I am. Like, well, how do we change this? But realizing that a lot of the things that we grew up set the tone, you had said that you had grew up with this angry, this anger towards money. And just like you just feel the frustration come through your body as you were in your facial expressions. <laughs> when you watch this on YouTube, you can, <laughs> you, you got angry when you were saying this. So well, 
like I said, your body, your body holds that it remembers, yeah. right? Yeah. Muscle, muscle memory is, is a real thing. So it is absolutely. So what's your earliest childhood memory around money? When was the very first time you were introduced to money? Oh, that's a great question. I think the very first memory that I have of money, I was probably five or six ish. Mm-hmm. And my brother had recently been born. We were in a, we lived in a town home, I can recall. And I just remember like this conversation sitting around the table, right? And papers stacked up and like, frustrations and yelling and just this kind of like deep, deep sense of worry. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the foundation for almost every conversation about money there on out. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's so, we don't realize the impact that words and emotions have on children mm-hmm. and how our, literally our foundational beliefs are formed at a very early age between zero and seven, that's when we are forming our belief system. Mm -hmm. And so paying attention to what you're saying about money around your children, you know, I recently just heard, I don't know if it was an article or TikTok or something along the lines of how, when, when parents are always saying, no, you can't get that. We can't afford it. No, we can't afford that. No, not today. We can't afford it. And how that becomes their truth. Mm-hmm. And how that becomes their foundational belief system. And it's like, wow, you just you just don't put two and two together. You know, back in the 80s and even certainly before, it, it was not to talk about money was absolutely unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was behind closed doors. There was no public information about it. We certainly did not have the access back then. So, you know, I also believe that people only did with what the information that they knew. Mm-hmm. But you know, now we know better, right? And so it's it's now a lot of our generation that is breaking these generational curses, converse, curses, conversations, <laughs> I like to call them curses, <laughs> foundations of, around money. And mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that I am always, always, always very conscious about mm-hmm. is how I am speaking about money in front of my son, mm-hmm. how I am helping him to learn about money instead of it being this thing to fear. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, it's breaking that cycle that has gone on for heaven knows how long prior to me, but it stops with me. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I hear that a lot on the show that, you know, I wasn't taught about finances growing up and it was taboo to talk about money. And, you know, mom would take us shopping and we'd have to come home and hide our purchases from dad. And she'd say, don't tell your father you know, and it's like, I mean, she'd wash the clothes and cut the tags off. And, you know, one of the stories on the earlier show was about this. And I thought, interesting, you know, because we just didn't have any money. My mind would be like, nope, can't afford that. So you, you, you want it, go get a job. I actually started working when I was 11 years old, babysitting full time, got my little certification from the American Red Cross, (laughs) babysat the neighbor across the street for a dollar an hour. And uh, 11 years old, I had to go out and buy my own school clothes. So never really had a lot of school clothes because, you know, money doesn't go that far on a dollar an hour. <laughs> Not particularly. No, but I was when I my grandmother taught me about money when I was younger, around seven, eight years old. And she gave me this piggy bank and it had three slots, you know, 10 percent for savings, 10 percent for giving and then 80 percent for 
whatever I wanted, I could save for. So all my coins and dollars that I would get, and I was really lucky. I used to find $20 bills all the time when we were walking down to the corner because there, like, there was a bar there, like a little strip mall. And yeah, people lose money all the time when they've been drinking. <laughs> Seven, eight-year-old girls like myself got to find it. And it was fun because I would just treat everyone and I, you know, put in all the money and all that. But uh, the when my kids were growing up, I was like, they need to learn about finances. Like, this is what we need to make the world go around. And I remember making little checks for my son, who's now 37, and I would teach him how to write out the check. And he is so good with money. And like, he has his own little accounting system, but he he's a, he's Maverick the money maker. He just loves to multiply his money. And he's really good about it. And then my other two, I did the same thing. And they're more like, they're more exposed to the digital world. You know, like, oh, we'll just, you know, use the credit and worry about it later. It's like, now where did that come into play? You know, and I realized a lot of my old habits, my stories came in. It's just like, but that's what they saw when we go to the store. You know, you have a budget of $250 for school clothes, but we're going to swipe this card and then we'll just pay it later. So I can see that disconnect as you were talking and like, oh, that's a really like, you know, the lessons that we teach our kids that we model is what they're going to pick up the most. And they don't ever see the back end, right? They didn't see me paying the bills because they were usually at school or wherever, right? So I see where that disconnect is now. So thank you for like pointing that out. That's amazing. So anyone listening out there, if you have children, really start demonstrating to them, like have them sit down on your money dates. And sit down with them and say, this is what we're doing. And imagine what a different world we'll live in 20 years from now when these kids start going into the workforce and contributing and earning and receiving. And, you know, we're going to pass the, we're going to pass the, what is that called? The baton? <laughs> we're yes. going to pass it off to our younger generation. Let's prepare them to do this. So I want to go back and touch a little bit about this anger that you had towards money. It lasted. You brought it into adulthood with you. What was the pivoting moment that you were able to to reconcile with money and say, you know what, I'm done being angry with you. Let's start building. Well, you know, I think I think it's been a series of events, to be honest with you. So, you know, another big milestone that happened in my husband and I's life is we filed bankruptcy. And that happened early adulthood. Uh, It was the 2007-2009 market crash, recession, you know wonderfulness that that time period was. I had recently quit my job to start my business. I was six and a half months pregnant with our son. And my husband walked in the door one day, midday, which was very unlikely because he worked an hour and a half away. And I can remember the look on his face and I knew without him even saying a word. And he's like, I just got laid off. And that he worked in the housing market in 2007. I mean, it was, Uh it was inevitable, right? So that really started kind of this downward spiral, I think, in our financial journey. We had been doing pretty decent up until that point, but that really like that really started a whole new chapter that I was not awesome, but was necessary, right? Like we we go through the things that that we need to learn and that gives us the power to to help shape the future, not just for ourselves but for other people. So, you know, going through that was very challenging, Um, a lot of shame around that, a lot of fear around that. And, you know, like I said, meanwhile, I'm building this business. I've got this brand new little baby boy and everything is new and everything is uncertain. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we operated for, for quite a while in that, in that feeling, things started to grow and started to evolve. 
And then if we fast forward a, a pretty decent chunk of time, you know, when 2020 hit, it should hit the fan across the board. It doesn't matter who you were, right? Like it, it impacted everybody. For us, you know, in the business at that time, these old stories had, were were perpetuating. What I realized is, I I unintentionally put together people pleasing with my money, and mm-hmm. so I want to make sure everyone else is taken care of. I wanted to make sure that everyone else's bills were paid. I wanted to make sure that like people didn't leave. So me, for me, my my path is people pleasing to make sure that people don't abandon me and therefore I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So that is like kind of like my my subconscious training. And so I was I hadn't paid myself in like 4 or 5 months. <laughs> right? I was making sure that everyone else's paychecks were were getting out there, but then we even got to the point where their paychecks were bouncing. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I had I had overexpended myself emotionally, spiritually, financially just to make sure that these people wouldn't leave me. And in the moment, I didn't know that's what was going on, right? Like it's it's not always easy to see that in the moment. Looking back and now going through the healing, I can see that very clearly. But mm-hmm. you know, when 2020 hit, it was like the whole table got wiped clean. Right. I, I it was just like all of my my back fear, my my worry, what if all the like everything shut up. And I got this very, very loud, instinctive voice that said, You gotta let everybody go today. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, the right. And then I was like, no. Like now I'm at the point where like it's survival, right? I either save a portion of the business and to care for myself and my family for the first time, maybe in a very long time, mm-hmm. or I continue to try to try and fight this battle. And I just, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not willing to fight this battle anymore. So I had to make the hard but necessary decision to lay off my team. I packed up all my. I went back to my house. I worked in my basement for the next year by myself and I rebuilt everything. But, you know, in that moment when I went home and I'm sitting in the basement and I'm sitting in this crap storm that I had allowed, that's another hard pill to swallow. I had allowed this, right? But I can own that now. And I'm looking at everything and I'm like, how did I get here? Here's the story again. The story that money is hard, the story that I have to put myself on the back burner to make sure everyone's taken care of, the story that if I don't make sure everyone's happy, then they're going to leave me. You know, I, I'd just been playing out the story and here it was again, but just in a much bigger sense. And it was kind of in that situation where I was like, we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing this anymore. So I went on this alignment journey to figure out who I was and what do I actually want? I hadn't asked myself that in probably a decade. What does Laura want? Mm -hmm. I was too worried about what does everyone else need of me? And I forgot to ask, what does Laura want? Mm -hmm. And so when I started to fold into that and realize that I am not selfish, I am necessary. I am worthy. I have magic to infuse into this world. There's a bigness inside of me that just keeps getting like the lid put on because I keep being like, no, 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 we'll do that later. We have to make sure everyone else is taken care of first. Right. And so I just started to undo. That's where the undoing the shoulds came from. Like I I should do this and I should do that. And And I'm like, no, what do I want? What if I start operating from a space of I want instead of I should? What if I start making decisions from a space of want instead of should? And then I, I discovered that that's what alignment is. 
Mm-hmm. It's getting to know who you are and then giving yourself permission to make every decision from that space. So again, it's not just been like this, you know, click of the, you know, snap of the fingers type of moment. It's been a long evolution, mm-hmm. but it, it's what's led me to where I am now. And it's a beautiful journey. And I thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. These are things that people don't like to talk about and your willingness to share is really powerful. The roller, the emotional journey with money is so hard. I mean, I can't even imagine. And I know, you know, COVID did impact us all, you know, similarly, but so differently, you know, our thoughts are the most powerful tool that we have in the isolation and the, the, the sense of our freedom being taken away. Like, you can't do this. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, this is ridiculous. You know, and I have a different viewpoint than most people about some of the restrictions that we had. I just, we won't go there today, but I understand like the isolation part and what, what's going to happen with the economy? Like, what do you mean everything shut down? And so many like jobs were affected by that where you had to be in person, but yet first responders had to be there. And like, why is it okay for them? Not for me. But then when you think about it for the money wise, you know, aid came, right? There was some, you know, some countries who gave their entrepreneurs 40 grand and they would be able to rebuild and, and get through this period. And it was like a, a loan, like we like set up this future loan for ourselves, but realizing like, oh, do we really want to borrow from our future self? Like, does our present self have it? But then coming to the realization, like, especially as a, I'm a people pleaser as well. And coming from that and saying, well, no, I want them to be taken care of and sacrificing your own sanity, your own security, because being able to have a partnership with money is security. That's our security blanket. And we can do so many good things. I mean, money in the hands of good people does wonderful things. So that loving attitude that you had, like, no, I want to take care of you. But meanwhile, you're falling apart. And to come to that realization saying, no, wait, I need to take care of me you know, what does Laurel want? And that is the most important question we, especially as entrepreneurs can ask ourselves. When I was in my nine to five, my youngest was 14. He's 25 now. I was sprung out. I was working full-time. I was a treasurer for a, for three not-for-profits and I was working a part-time job. I, I, I was doing all kinds of stuff, right? And I was just like exhausted, like soulfully exhausted. Like I wanted something. I was trying to fill this void. All this money was coming in and I felt like I had nothing. And it was just like, what do I, can I do different? And when I remember connecting with a mentor at the time and he's like, well, what, what does Lisa want? I'm like, what? No one's ever asked me that question. What do you mean? Who cares what I want? I have to take care of all these other people. Like, this is my job. It's like, no, you need to take care of yourself. And realizing that, and you had said earlier, we feel it in our body. And I, I have one of my clients, we um, have to, we were on a call just before this interview and she was like, I am mentally exhausted. I'm like, go rest. She's, but I have so much to do. I go, you're not going to get anything done. Go rest, listen to your body. And it's so important to, to listen to those cues. So when you told your staff, your payroll, sorry, did how did you work through that sense of abandonment? What tools did you use? Well, you know, I think it's one of those things where the thing that I feared the most ended up happening. Mm. And I think that it happened because I was ready to heal through it. Because in that moment, like I said, when I was sitting in the basement, I'm literally by myself now. People are gone. And most of those people never came back. 
it forced me to go through my deep rooted fear that people are going to leave me. Mm. And, you know, there's a, there's a big circle around that and lots of different pieces and aspects to it. But at the end of the day, I was alone. Now I have my husband and my son at home, which is different. I'm very thankful for them. That's not what I'm talking about, but this, this creation that I had made and the people Mm. that I cared very deeply about were now gone. And I'm like, the thing that I was most afraid of is happening. And in the moment, that's terrifying, right? Looking back, I'm actually kind of grateful mm-hmm. because it allowed me to see that that Laura's okay on her own, that Laura doesn't have to expend herself. Laura doesn't have to go to the end of the earth to make other people happy, to be validated. Laura doesn't have to give away every aspect of her, her mind, body, soul, and money <laughs> to keep people that that Laura's okay on her own. And I think that that was the lesson that I needed to learn. That was the healing for me because Mm -hmm. now my centered self is so much stronger that I know that if I, if I'm alone, I mean, I've been alone for quite some time now, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. Like I sit in my building by myself still to this day, I have a team they're virtual and, you know, we've rebuilt things in different ways, but I had to learn that I'm okay by myself. Mm Mm-hmm. And that people come and go, but as long as I stay rooted in who I am, that's all that matters. So for me, it was a lot of, a lot of different tools, huge advocate for taking care of your mental health. So therapy for the win, I will advocate for that all day long. Um, Another taboo topic that I think has finally started to shift into like normal conversation. So lots of therapy, lots of reconnection. Like Mm -hmm. I was so disconnected. Like I realized, like I'm like when, like when is the last time I like enjoyed the moment that I'm in? Mm-hmm. I was so busy like putting out fires and stuff of the past and worried about the future and like playing this professional game of whack a mole that I was like all over the place. So I started, I started learning about my body and my mind and my emotions and learning where my anxiety was coming from. Turns out it was from all of this, shit, right? Like <laughs> there's just so many different pieces. So I look at things very holistically. Mm-hmm. to know my body and my mind and and what do I need and checking in with myself, grounding and connecting spiritual work is a huge part of my life, the therapy aspect. And then really, honestly, a lot of practice of making decisions from an aligned space. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of it. It's, it's this little turn of the dial with mm-hmm. every decision, with every moment, people think that like, there's a quick fix or a hack or like, I can go online and take this one 30 minute course and my life is going to be fixed. And it's like, that might be an important part of the journey, but that's not going to fix the challenge. Right. Where we fix things, where we adjust things, where we shift things is in every tiny moment and every decision mm-hmm. and choosing to go inward, get aligned and choose from that space. Yeah. And it's so important to do that with all aspects in your wealth, health and relationships And when we get in alignment with our finances, it makes it so much easier for us to carry that over to the relationships and to the health, you know, because you get that, you don't have that worry about that money around it. What's your favorite way to manage your money? You know, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of my Sunday money day. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, that I faced was I always had this like out of sight, out of mind. If I don't look at it, I'll never know how bad it is. 
I paired that with, well, I'm a creative, so therefore I'm not a numbers person, so I'm just not going to look at it, right? Like, and that concoction is a storm, okay? If anybody's listening and you resonate with those, start there. (laughs) Shift the perspective around that because if you're a creative, you must know your numbers. If you're not a creative, you must know your numbers, right? Like it's, it's getting, it's that initial like, okay, I'm scared to look at it, but not looking at it doesn't give me any power. In fact, it runs the show. So Mm -hmm. A, look at your numbers, but Mm -hmm. then also like creating this, this kind of ritual or experience around how I'm showing up with money. Like, so every Sunday I do my money stuff, which is paying bills, you know, moving stuff into our high yield savings account. It's shifting things around. You know, it's just, it's, I call it playing with the money. I Mm -hmm. I like to play with it now. Whereas before it was very like, so I, I started to build this habit of looking at our numbers every Sunday. So it was like, temporary discomfort. Okay. Now I know. Oh, that's actually not so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to look at it. Oh, temporary discomfort. Oh, now I know. Now it's not so bad. And I'm like, hold on a second. Looking at these things actually gives me a lot of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> and with that knowledge, I have a lot more power. I can make decisions. I can shift things around. Okay. I'm starting to see this differently now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so every Sunday is my money day. I like to put on whatever kind of music I'm feeling, right? I usually have a fresh cup of coffee. I've got a a space in my home where I do my money stuff. My son knows about it too. So, you know, he's doing his money stuff, you know, on Sundays with us as well. Now he reconciles his own accounts. Like he's, he's, he's getting a really good foundation right now, but um, you know, it, it just gives me the opportunity to know. Mm -hmm. And if it's not where I want it to be, okay, now I know. Now I can do something differently. Now yeah. I can shift something. Now I can, you know, move something around. Now I can make a different decision. But if you just don't know because you're not looking at it, all of your power is stripped away. Mm-hmm. So that's that's become a fun thing. And now it is so second nature that like I don't even think about it. And I'll also add in here really quickly that if I'm not feeling awesome, I won't force myself to do it mm-hmm. because I'm very conscious that everything is energy. Mm-hmm. And then if I go into my money because I'm frustrated or I'm irritated or, you know, it's the week before my period and I want to just like burn everything, you know, like <laughs> I'm just very <laughs> conscious about how I'm feeling. And sometimes mm-hmm. I give myself the chance, like I'll take a walk or to sit outside or listen to music. And sometimes that energy shifts. And then I'm like, okay, now it's time to do the money, but I'm not going to take that into my money because money is like a sponge. And it mm-hmm. will absorb any type of energy that is around it. So I just want to put that out there that don't force yourself to do your money day when you're feeling meh. like get yourself recentered, get back into your body and then get into it. Yeah, it's so important. I love that you date money weekly and having that energy to do it. I know sometimes my money date comes up and I'm like, I'm taking a nap and we'll talk later. <laughs> Let's reschedule. We'll go for ice cream. <laughs> but having that, that, energetic, that reciprocal energy of giving and receiving is so important. I love that you have your son sit down with you. It's just so amazing. What's the best way for our audience to connect with you? Yeah. So lauraora.com is my website. It's L-A-U-R-A-A-U-R-A.com. That's the hub for all things me to learn about my coaching programs and classes that I teach. Um, But in the social space, I play the most on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. 
And my handle is at that Laura Aura. Oh, I love it. And we'll put the links to connect with you in the show notes. Um, What are some words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the audience? You know, I just want everyone listening to know that um, you have so much more power and control with your money than maybe it feels like in this very moment. That knowledge is truly power and that small shifts add up to big changes. And then if you're willing to continue to show up, you're willing to shift the way that you look and feel about money and you choose to make decisions from your grounded centered space instead of what the world tells you that you should, you most absolutely a hundred percent can get everything that you want. And then some, I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your journey and being so vulnerable with us. And for those of you listening, please check the show notes to connect with Laura Aura, especially if you need an alignment. I mean, and this is a full alignment, body, mind, spirit, and a lot of the thoughts that we have, they're the most powerful tool. Like I said earlier, thinking about what you're thinking will help you get the results that you want when you identify those feelings that get created and your body will feel that impact before your even mind catches up. So really thinking about those money stories that you're telling yourself and how would you rather, what would you rather believe about money? So be sure to give the show some love, give us a five-star rating, share it with those you know who need to hear this story, connect with Laura Aura, and remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show, give us some love, we would love your review, and remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.